Today, uh, me and Sherry had the pleasure of sitting down with Miss Catherine Schmeiser. Uh, she is from Sarisa, which is in uh, southeastern Michigan. Uh, Catherine, can you tell us a little bit about uh, yourself, your career, and what you do? Hi, my name is Catherine. Uh, I grew up in southeast Michigan, and I started my career in Albuquerque, New Mexico, actually, as a just a 911 operator, and uh, I said just, but we all know that that's not the case. Um, and then I promoted to dispatch there, and I moved back to southeast Michigan in early, very early 2018 and started at Sarisa as a both 911 operator and dispatcher at Sarisa. Wow. And what year did you move from Albuquerque back to Michigan? Uh, 2018. And I started in Albuquerque in 2015. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Did you start there right after high school? Uh, no, I was 25, a newlywed. My husband was a police officer out there. We were living long distance for about a year. We got married. And then uh, three days after I got married, I moved out to New Mexico and was minorly unemployed for a couple months before Albuquerque police finally got back to me on my application. No kidding. So Sherry always talks about you get, you get the bit by the public safety bug. So when would you say you got bit by that bug? Uh, definitely when my husband started the academy. Um, he, wow. he was in the military before I met him. We met in college, both getting our associate's degrees, and um, then he was looking around for jobs, looked around in Michigan, trying to go through academies here, but he wanted to be paid for a police academy and not have to put himself through a college academy. And uh, he noticed that Albuquerque was hiring. They always are hiring and always recruiting, even out of state. And he went in through their academy and I just wanted something that would relate to his career and get me out of my formerly former career of dog grooming very physically demanding quite the change to public safety but <laughs> just wanted something that could get me you know potentially on midnights with him or 12-hour schedules more of that public safety world yeah no that's awesome that's awesome so now what were you originally hired in to do in Albuquerque? I may have missed that. Originally. I was a call taker, just a 911 call taker. They have separate positions. Uh, their minimums back then in 2015 through 2017 was about 8 to 12 call takers and 7 to 8 dispatchers. Their city was uh, it's about half a million in population, and their city is divided into six uh, dispatch, like basically separate cities. But each uh, area command had a separate dispatcher, and then they had about 8 to 12 call takers working 24-7, just funneling non-emergencies and emergency calls. Wow. That sounds like a very busy work. So now in 2018 is when you guys moved back into Michigan. Now, is that when you started at Sarisa? Would have been then? Yes, I moved back uh, just a couple months before I started, just because interview process and all that, I would have been flying back multiple times and families here. So we just moved back to Michigan. I knew I could take my career anywhere. Uh, even I interviewed through Michigan State Police and had a couple opportunities, but I knew Sarisa was going to be the best fit. 
Oh, that's aw- that's awesome. Now, were you, were you hired to do the call taking and Sarisa as well? Uh, Sarisa is a call taking and simultaneous dispatch position, so having okay. both experience helped. But yeah, awesome. Now, now obviously two similar jobs in two different states. You know, what would you say are the biggest differences between the way the two states operate and other things you noticed? Um, mostly for me, population-wise, I came from about half a million in population, and and right now I'm working with about 153,000, so it's about a quarter of the size, um, and even less than that on like actual staffing. Um, definitely different operation-wise with um, instead of call-taking, just call-taking or just dispatching, we're doing everything simultaneously and potentially call-taking for a call that we're not even dispatching for because we have three radio channels. So I could be taking a CPR and trying to dispatch on a traffic stop or a robbery and taking my CPR call and giving it to another dispatcher to get it out. Um, and other than that, we have much different software um, operations like NCIC and uh, we call it Lean in Michigan, but I know it was something else in New Mexico, but even that was a completely separate position. Um, officers would run NCIC information over a completely separate radio channel, and that was a different training. and as dispatchers or even as call takers, we didn't have access to half the NCIC information that I have in Michigan, just in a position wise. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So it, it seems like they're very similar, but like, it seems like in Michigan, they have a little more dispatchers get a little more information than in New Mexico. Yeah. And that could just potentially be between Albuquerque police, just being such a large agency, I'm sure. The smaller agencies in New Mexico do have the same access that we did in in Michigan. Now, just for people who don't know, can you describe what the, uh, you referenced it twice, the NCIC and what the lean is? Uh, NCIC is in the National Crime Information Center, the um, stolen vehicles, missing persons, wanted persons. And then Mm -hmm. lean is the law enforcement information network, I believe, <laughs> just so used to abbreviations. And that's uh, like our local wanted persons, driver's license returns, uh, secretary of state plate returns. So just all the secret information that dispatchers have access to, <laughs> dispatchers and officers. Right. <laughs> right. Now I do see in 2020, you were chosen as Michigan's APCO's telecommunicator of the year. Can you tell us a little more about what you did to achieve that honor and how you felt after receiving it? Well, my supervisor nominated me. And as I've told nearly everyone who asks, and I'm sure Sherry's going to cringe when I say it, but my supervisor really knew how to polish a turd when he wrote my (laughs) nomination. Um, I just did my everyday job, what what is expected of me and, and what expectations I have for myself to go above and beyond. Um, I think one of the main parts of the nomination, I located a partial plate given after a shooting, a non-fatal shooting in one of our cities. They had just a partial plate on the vehicle, the witness did, and uh, through 
NCIC and our lean information, I was able to run a partial plate query and return with a full plate and vehicle description of just a neighboring neighboring city of ours. And thankfully it was a neighboring city that we also dispatch for. So it was a mm -hmm. joint effort between dispatch and the two cities that we dispatch for in getting that shooter in custody within, I believe, 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Of course. <laughs> Catherine, I, I have to jump, Zach, I have to jump in here for a second. Um, because although I didn't cringe because I've heard Catherine say that before about her nomination, um, you know, there's different kinds of PSAP personnel. You know, there's the ones that come into work and they do their job and they do their job well, but they just do their job. And then, and there's nothing wrong with that. They're still, they're still not just a dispatcher. They still are a dispatcher, which, which has always been a thing for me to make sure um, our profession understands that you are not just, that you are. Um, but Catherine, you know, she came in and she did her job and she did her job well. And then she introduced uh, new ideas and concepts. And, you know, she would do things like she just described, just, just that extra, that little bit extra. Um, it sounds like just a little bit, but it actually, you know, over time, those little bits all add up. And so um, it wasn't just polishing a turd, as she said. Um, she you was very deserving yes, of always. That, uh, that award. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So I, I do want to make sure we definitely touch base before we get into some of the more like specifics about like the ideas and things you brought to the table. Um, you were chosen in 2021 as the National APCO Telecommunicator of the Year. Can you tell us a little more about that? Because that seems like a way cooler, like how did this happen type of moment. Yeah, right? I mean, I was I was shocked that I even won the Michigan Telecommunicator of the Year award. And then I believe that they just, like for the national award, I believe they just take the state winners and basically combine them in a pot. And then I know the national APCO has a, a board or a, a council to decide on, on the winners. And then I believe they just go through all those nominations and narrow it down again. And receiving that award was just absolutely blew my mind. I know I was at work when I read the email and I got this, you know, Outlook gives you the little congratulations with the confetti when that's written in there. And I was like, what is this? And I was just dumbfounded. I couldn't believe it. And I, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Did you have any idea it was coming? And not the national. I didn't even know that that's how that even the Michigan would have connected me to the national chapter. I had absolutely no idea no kidding that's really cool you should be very proud of the fact that you didn't even know it, you should be very proud of yourself that's awesome now were there can you tell us a little more about the reward what you got to do with it and uh some of the other like street cred you get with it uh so the national goal award uh apco had flown me and uh, my husband came with me to San Antonio for the APCO conference in 2021. It's August, I believe. And mm -hmm. um, put me up in a hotel, like the 
the whole APCO sponsored hotel, uh, got the registration for uh, the conference, and my flight was paid for uh, with my husband coming with me. We just paid for his flight and food and got a little tour of San Antonio and some fun stuff with the conference. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, now let's uh, talk a little more. Sherry brought up some of the uh, the cool ideas that you bring up that sort of made you, you know, that little extra that got you into the, the awards and all that stuff. Can you give us an idea, maybe Sherry can chime in too, as to some of those ideas and improvements that you saw and you really wanted to make in the center? Um, I can't remember what the... <laughs> What was specifically stated on the uh, nomination, um, I know I updated, we had a cheat sheet, uh, just like a letter-sized cheat sheet that was laminated in front of all of our consoles with addresses of all of our police stations, our fire stations, the courts, um, some uh, mile markers on the freeways that we cover, and uh, like our towing companies that we use. Um, and it hadn't been updated in quite a few years. There was a, some missing information, especially if we took on another city uh, within the four years that I've been at Teresa. And so their, all their information was missing. And I just updated that, uh, printed out, laminated at every console, just anything that would help my partners out. Just a little less mm -hmm. digging, a little less research that they have to do. That makes us all faster. Of course, of course. And people don't realize, like, those small things when you're dispatching, those seconds can mean Absolutely. the difference. Especially when you don't expect yeah. it well, right? Oh, so you never know. Those small things, the, the clean mind, clean thinking, clean actions, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. Well, and what's what's up? What's important for uh, us to understand too is she did all that with her own laminator. And um, so, you know, people might be thinking, well, why don't you have that on the computer? They did have it on the computer, I'm sure. But the problem is you always need to have paper backup because you never know when you're going to lose your computer. And, you know, hopefully you'll, I'll, that'll never happen to me. But, when it does and you have nothing as a backup, um, that was that was really nice. Plus, you know, if you're in a hurry and you're looking for something, just to grab that piece that's handy at your desk as opposed to typing it in and bringing it up on the computer, it's it's actually faster, even as fast as computers are now. And uh, I'm gonna let Catherine talk about it after this award. One of those little things she did was uh, take the schedule, the that that's kept on an Excel spreadsheet that had a plethora of problems. Um, our schedule, she, our dispatch uh, and supervisor schedule Google, was all so Excel based. Kevin, just in you a talk about that a little bit. Spreadsheet, as confusing as it was when you first look at it, we all understand it now. Um, and being in Excel, in Excel spreadsheet and only being able to be updated in the center on center computers. Uh, was causing some problems and it could only be open and edited by one person at a time and if it was left open it was a big issue 
um, and just seeing, I worked, I had worked with uh, Google Sheets and Google Forms uh, just briefly and seeing how that technology could benefit us. And I transferred over our Excel spreadsheet into a Google Sheet and now it's viewable from any browser, phone browser, computer browser from anywhere across the world. It can be edited by multiple people at a time with um, like history tracing on each cell. And then you can allow access to edit or view for anybody. Uh, just the ease of access and all that stuff just helps out with everybody's overall stress mm -hmm. loads, especially when it comes with schedule and everything like, everything like that. Um, now I'm trying to figure out the best way to ask this question. Now, in the in the few years since you started 911, back in 2015, only about seven years. Well, come under seventh mm -hmm. year, right? What would you say is the biggest changes you've seen in the last couple of years? Good, positive, negative. What would you say the biggest changes you've noticed? Uh, definitely technology. I mean, when I started, I don't even think text to 911 was. Up possibility. Uh, if it was, we weren't using it, the capabilities in Albuquerque. Um, and I mean, Google Sheets, I'm sure that was a plausibility back then. Um, but definitely a technology change. And, and that's what I'm most looking forward to in the future. I love all the new gadgets and gizmos and programs and interconnections and CAD and anything we can do with our phones. You, you, you enjoy the learning, yeah. right? Learning all the new Definitely. Tech. It's cool. Awesome. Can you give us an idea? What is the, the technology that is coming forward being used right now that you see as the most beneficial and the best for right now? Uh, definitely the location tracing and tracking, uh, Rapid SOS, and the integration with CAD and RAVE. I think that's so beneficial for 911. And like the cell phone towers, those location accuracies aren't always the greatest, but if DoorDash knows where I am down to my neighbor's house or I, why can't 911 figure that out? <laughs> right. Now, when did um, the Albuquerque, they had the rapid SOS as well when you started? Uh, no, that was not an integration of ours. We only had the phase one and two pings off cell phones. So can you give us an idea as what, what you, you gave a little bit of reference to it, how you originally would trace it out and how DoorDash does it. What would you say were the biggest changes from the level one, level two to going into the rapid SOS and that find direct, like how did you do it beforehand trying to find somebody without the rapid SOS phone location? Just relying very heavily on callers and knowing their locations and even narrowing down businesses nearby, cross streets, landmarks, anything. And just having to rely so heavily on our callers and whatever they can give us. Whereas Rapid SOS and other now emerging technology, we can have the location, but always still ask for it. And, and most likely our locations that we can get are sometimes better than what callers can give us landmark wise or of yeah. course. Now, if you're okay with sharing or comfort with it, would you be able to tell us a story of when 
you kind of maybe first noticed the true power of the rapid SOS tech, or when it really made a difference, maybe a story that you were most proud of, that you were part of? Hmm. Um, I don't have that, but I have a story where it may have more come in handy from Albuquerque. Um, it was okay. a, I wish we would have had this technology in Albuquerque. Um, I had a child caller, I believe it was like a family trouble domestic thing. And it was a child caller in an apartment complex. And I believe she was calling from a 911 only cell phone. So it was very difficult to get a accurate location out of her. Um, and having narrowed it down to a phase two ish. Um, she was describing her location as best she could. She could tell me what grade school she went to. So that maybe narrowed down the neighborhood. Um, and then trying to describe the apartment complex, even if there was a playground or any, like how far away is school from you? Do you walk there? Do you drive there? Just trying anything in my brain that I could think of that could get her to narrow down a location. And finally, I asked her, what kind of car do your parents drive? And she was able to describe, I believe, her mom's car. And I was like, does it park right in front of your building? Does it park right in front of your door at your apartment? And we are finally able to narrow that down and finally able to get to her and her family. She was hiding in her bedroom. Her parents didn't even know she was calling. And that was such a relief to get her to safety and get her parents or her mom some help but having that technology definitely could have quickened the response and really narrowed it down but I mean it was a good of course it was would have been nice to have it but just being able to think of all those things to try to narrow it down I mean has helped in the future and would help anytime Catherine, it obviously sounds like you have a gift and you're good at calming people down and getting information in difficult times. Is there something that you do to keep yourself calm when you're on a call like that where you have to really, really investigate where a location is to a to a child that really doesn't know where they are? Like, how do you stay calm and deal with that? Um, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but it feels like everything is a movie to me. Like it's not real just because I am in a safe location and I am physically safe. I feel like I mm -hmm. can block that out and it doesn't feel real, which keeps me calm. Um, but I am in generally a anxious person. So I am the worst case scenario. It's always running through my head. It's expect the worst, but or expect the best, but plan for the worst. So it's just kind of, the wheels are always turning no matter what. So that's where you're easily able to pick up like, okay, if that question didn't work, go to yeah. the next one, go to the next one. Just what is the next option I yeah. can do? What is the next option I can do? Well, that's cool. Now, if you had like a magic 911 wand, what would be the biggest change you would make Two nine one one at the moment. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say like technology wise or anything that we do in the centers, but I definitely believe that we deserve more respect and more recognition. And this award and all of everything that's come from it has 
really humbled me, but also I wish I could give that to everybody. And I wish I could give all of my partners and my teammates and everyone working in centers across the world the same recognition because I'm no hero. I don't think anything that I did to win this award was any better than any of my partners and friends do every day. And I just think we all deserve that recognition and we all deserve to be recognized as first responders, both by our partners, by their citizens, by our responders, and definitely by government entities. Oh, of course, just getting the extra, the good job from the other people who don't necessarily notice it yep. all the time. I mean, just the other week, Sherry and I were discussing this with some other members of our team of, you know, extra things you could, we can do during dispatcher, like dispatcher appreciation week. Send out an extra email, like, it's like a, hey guys, we love you, we appreciate you, good job, keep going. And just that little extra, you'd be surprised at how much it can mean mm -hmm. to somebody. Now, um, Sherry mentioned this to me. She, uh, excuse me, she said I should bring this up. Uh, what about some, uh, can you give us some talks about video 911 and how that looks and what's that looking like in the dispatch center now and what it might turn into? Um, as of right, <laughs> yeah. As of right now, we don't have it, but I know when Sherry was especially with your love as our director, um, she had mentioned it a couple times and would have liked to be one of the testing centers for it. Um, I mean, that makes uh, talking to my partners that makes some of us nervous, but others of us excited and to see where it's coming from, coming from and and where it's headed because I know with the video 911 it's not going to be a automatic 911 rings and we're getting a live feed it's something that we can pick and choose what we need to see or want to see and um, just knowing that it wouldn't be that direct connection to video and you know scarring us with uh, PTSD and things that we don't need to see um, and a lot of centers that could be very helpful the rural uh, locations where response times are are much longer just due to to distance you know that could be very beneficial for dispatchers to have an eye on the scene and be able to you know control things and relay things better what would um now give us your biggest point for the concerns and the pros when it comes to something like the video 911. I think concerns would definitely be the the effect that it could have on dispatchers as seeing the scenes worse than we could imagine or sometimes much quieter than we can imagine. I mean our imagination imaginations are running wild uh, trying to picture a scene as it's described. So it could be a, a advantage and disadvantage just depending on on what you see. But I, I think um, the benefit would be to be able to relay information better and more accurate to our responders because uh, knowing what we're looking for and questioning, we would be able to look for that and find it quicker with a visual instead of having to relay it between two, three people, between callers, dispatchers, and responders, mm -hmm. and that just playing that telephone game gets tricky sometimes, as we all played in grade school. 
Right. Can you give us an idea as to a, uh, a scenario where you feel it would be the most beneficial? Again, uh, location-wise, that could definitely, uh, finding... It, would always, it comes down to location? Because oh, it was a... It was a debate with some people we were talking about with um, some technology that Equature was working on, and some people thought it'd be useful for medical situations. That's when our team thought, like, oh, we thought what we were talking about would be useful for medical. So I didn't know if you thought it would be a useful thing for medical situations. And I wasn't sure, so I wanted to kind of get your idea on that. That potentially could, but again, being trained, CPR trained, and uh, emergency emergency medical dispatch trained. I think if somebody showed me what was going on to a patient, I mean, I don't have that medical background. I I don't know if I could mm -hmm. determine the difference between any of the medical problems. And but sometimes we do have to rely on just what callers are saying. And if they're saying, "Oh, I think he's having a seizure," you know, a lot of people do confuse maybe just the word seizure with stroke, or they think it's a stroke where what more they're describing is a seizure. So at some point that could be beneficial for us, but I also don't want callers to come to 911 with, vid with video visual as like a diagnostic. And I feel like that that may happen occasionally just like picking up a 911 video call and they're like what's this weird rash and it's like that's not what i'm here for not not any of my expertise we, we don't we don't need the on call <laughs> yeah <right>? not 911 <laughs> for sure yeah <laughs> no I, I i bet i bet you guys would be busy enough with your with your normal job <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um, now, I want to get another idea. Mm, I'm kind of blank. No, I, ha I, I know what I'm trying to think about. In Albuquerque, when you first started off, would, would did you have any, like, mentor that you still stay in touch with that kind of gave you the, I mean, you had your husband who was in, I'm a, or with, in policing, was a police officer, who gave you the initial bug to want to join? Did anybody kind of keep you and coach you along to really push you to stay in the industry and do financing in the industry? Um, back in Albuquerque, my training coordinator, training supervisor was definitely a huge mentor of mine. Um, we don't really keep in touch now, but she's always in the back of my head. She, me being type A, very anxious, she definitely saw the potential in me before I could see it and I had you know, a couple of good friends in training with me we had I believe it was about six weeks of just classroom training with about eight of us uh, PowerPoint slides learning the city learning area commands and call types and all that and it was me and my two friends kind of goofing around being class clowns at some point but she had to reel us back in and she definitely saw the potential in me before I could see it myself and definitely pushed me, pushed me to go. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, well, you have achieved really one of the highest awards you can in the telecommunications. Do you have any other um, <clears throat> plans of what you want to do moving forward in your career or other, or you want to stay in dispatch? Uh, 
right now I do foresee myself in dispatch. Um, I know we have a supervisor position opening up in my center within the next couple weeks, and I was on the fence on whether or not I should apply, but I'm definitely going to. I, it's where I see myself. And even when I interviewed with Sarisa about four years ago, I remember in being interviewed by supervisors and one supervisor asked me, where do you see yourself in five years? And I flat out said, in your seat. And <laughs> I don't know if he took it the right way, but I just meant it as, as a supervisor, you know, moving up in this agency and in this career. And I think it's, it's time and I hope it works out, but I I would love to stay in the career no matter what, but I always do think about going to the private sector, uh, having gone to the, I believe it was a Nina conference in 2016 with Albuquerque and going on the expo floor and just seeing all the opportunities in 911. Like it's not, it's not just in a center in your city, county, state. It's, it can go private sector and sales and marketing and, technology i mean 911 is such a broad umbrella that needs assistance and and employees everywhere of course of course now when you went to that nina conference was there any part of um you know in, in the cool board needed to daydream about it was there any part of the private sector 911 that you found particularly interesting that you would like to maybe dabble with if you ever had the opportunity to um I like the CAD side. I know, um, like, sometimes CADs aren't always um, user-friendly or or I don't have, like, the best uh, adaptations for dispatchers. Like, we can always, everyone can always find an improvement in whatever CAD software they're using. And I, um, I just would love to be in the development and... Um, like marketing aspect of CADs and being able to take everyone's feedback from centers and improving our, the CADs that we use 12 hours a day just to make a ease of use for us. Well, very cool. Very cool. Well, I'll say you never, you never know, but I do hope that you do put your head in for that supervisor position because it sounds like you're the most qualified dispatcher in the country for the, for that position. <laughs> I have to say, I have to talk you up, just as sure you guys. <laughs> now, um, just just to wrap everything up, is there any other comments you want to make about 911, things you want to see change, any concerns you have coming up in 911 and just going forward? Um, just that uh, we're all, I hope that everyone, line level supervisors, everyone in private sector, that we're all ready for growth and change. Um, technology is evolving very rapidly and it's gonna be nothing but beneficial to us all around. And hopefully we're all embracing the change. You can't stop change, nope. can you? Nope. Well, I, I guess that was all we had for today. That sounded awesome. I'm sure you have anything else, else you wanted to add? No, I think she covered it really well. Thank you, Catherine, for being with us today. Thank you. Uh -huh. Uh -huh.